Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. You know, as we go into the message, um, in 2022, it's an interesting time to be a Christian. There's lots of persecution, there's lots of people saying, you know, the church is outdated and you you shouldn't follow what the Bible says. But did you know that those same people actually use terms that are in the Bible in their everyday speech? You just don't realize it. Let me give you an example. Anybody ever heard of, oh, it's the blind leading the blind? Jesus said that. Let me give you another one. To go the extra mile. Teachers used to love telling me that in school. You need to go the extra mile. I'm like, it's just homework, ma'am. Now my wife is a teacher and I feel bad for every teacher who ever had to teach me, ever. But to go the extra mile again was Jesus speaking. He was speaking against the practice. If a Roman soldier came up to you and said, carry my bags for a mile, you'd have to do it. Jesus said, you need to go the extra mile and carry it two miles. Another one is, it's one of my favorites is, the apple of my eye is biblical. It's not just used to describe your children. It was found in the book of Deuteronomy. Here's another one. A little birdie told me. Something like there's no way that's in the Bible. I'm I'm willing to bet, actually, it's not in the Bible. If you were to go to Ecclesiastes 10, you'd find that. And here's my favorite. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's not Santa who said that. I'll never forget the first time I read it in my Bible. I was a teenager. I was reading Acts, and it popped out. I'm like, I thought Santa said this. It's actually Jesus being quoted in the book of Acts. And there's lots of these words and these terms that we use. And there's one that I want to focus on today. It's called our lot in life. Anybody heard it? It's typically used in a negative sense. Oh, well, this is just my lot in life. It's basically the circumstances and the, and the situation that we have. Did you know that it has biblical meaning? It's twofold. One, when people used to draw lots... It would, you'd have straws, and you'd have like one that was shorter. It's called drawing the short straw. And when you pick the lot, you would either be chosen to do something. That's how they actually chose a disciple after Judas betrayed Jesus. They, they drew lots. The other way, reason it comes from, it's um, in the book of Genesis with Abraham and his nephew, Lot. And today, the title of your message is simply this, Dealing with Our Lot in Life. Many of us have a lot in life, and we're going to take a look at the life of Abraham, the life of Lot, and see what we can learn so that we can deal with our lot in life. And what's important to remember about Abraham as you write the title down, because all of us are taking notes because it'll take us, when you get to heaven, you don't want to be there, and then Jesus says, where's your notes? And you're like, it's on my other phone, and then it, just kidding. And as we look at dealing with our lot in life, what we need to remember is that Abraham's call is similar to ours as Christians. He was called from his, from his hometown, from where, he'd grow, where he grew up, where he had spent a, lo- a large part of his life. He was called from there out of what he was familiar with to obey God and head towards God's plan, his purposes, and his promises. And as Christians, we left the life we used to know. We started se- stepping towards God's plan, God's purposes, and we start heading towards the future that he has for you and I. And just like Abraham, what we can do is we can bring our Lot with us. Now, Lot was Abraham's nephew because Abraham's brother had passed away. 
His name was Haran. He passed away, and he brought Lot with him. But what we need to understand about Abraham is he was 75 years old when God calls him. Now, I've been going to church for a long time, and often people focus on God wants to use young people, and he does, thank goodness. But God doesn't want to exclusively use young people. God wants to use all people. So you can be a teenager in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, your 90s. Even if you reach a century, God still wants to use your life in Santon, in Kailami, and online. You know, here's the thing is that what Abraham did was he gave birth to something that God used that had eternal significance. There are many people in this room, I believe, that God has birthed something in you that has eternal significance, regardless of your age, your race, where you came from, where you grew up in. We just need to be obedient to God, deal with our lot, and head towards his plans and his purposes. And Abraham at 75 was childless with his wife, Sarah. And like I said, God calls him to leave his land and leave his home and head towards his prom to the promise. And his promise was to have offspring. Abraham, like uh, Pastor Andre mentioned earlier, had a name change. His name was Abram, and then it turned to Abraham. And Abraham means exalted father. Now, there was weights given to names uh, in the Old Testament. So you can imagine somebody's name being exalted father, yet having no children at 75 would be something that was frowned upon. People would have said there must be sin in his life. The, the, the New Testament in Hebrew says his body was as good as dead. That's a nice way of putting it. I mean, I know the Bible describes our body as a tent, but that's, but you know what it does is it gives us perspective of the situation that Abraham found himself in. And even then God could call him and use him for his plans and purposes. And here's his call and it's found in Genesis 12 verses one to two. It says, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. You know, that call is pretty interesting because God doesn't tell him where he's going. There was no, please head to this location. When you get there, there will be a pension fund waiting for you. You'll have medical aid included. You have share options at the end of it. You can choose to cash those in. You can choose to leave them. It's not like he even knew the destination. He couldn't put it in ways. We put stuff in ways for one of two reasons. We don't know how to get there. Or, like me, speeding cameras. Imagine how many speeding tickets Abraham would have got because he didn't know where he was going and he couldn't put it in ways. And what we need to understand is that his call was not based on what he could get out of it, but was to follow God, to trust God, and to head towards his purposes. And as he does this, as he steps towards God's promises, God begins to do something in the life of Abraham. And our first point is this. We need to understand that in Abraham's life, his call is to have offspring, to have, have the next generation. But when we step into God's plan and purposes, we need to understand this. It requires unsettling. That call would have completely rocked Abraham's life. He had gotten comfortable where he was. He had lived there for a long time. And there was an unsettling that would have taken place. Like I said, when Abraham left, he was 70, 75. He was set in his ways. And often as a Christian, we can say, well, I'm just set in my ways. We need to be open for God to unsettle us, to shake up some things in our life so that we can head to his plan and his purposes and his promises. 
Hope this is helping you here. Hope this is helping you in Kalami. But you see, God has got something of eternal significance. And if we don't get unsettled, we can't head towards what God has in store for you and I. And you see, the reason I say that he was unsettled was because Abraham's father had settled. When you read scripture, uh, you'll see that Abraham's father, his name was Terah, we'll read it together now in the book of Genesis. And it says that his father actually settled. And in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 11, it says this, verse 31, Terah took Abraham his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife. I love how the Bible gives you every single, it's, it's this person, it's this person's wife, and it's this person's daughter or son. And it says, and they went forth together from Ur, the land of the, of the Chaldeans, to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And now we can read that and we can often overlook that. But what we need to understand is where he ended up going. Because Abraham ends up settling, we'll read it a little bit later, in the land of Canaan anyway. And what happens is his father settles before then. And if we need to become unsettled, we need to ask ourselves, what have we settled with that we don't even realize that we've settled with in our lives? Have we settled in our journey and our pursuit of God? Or do we keep pressing on once our vision was full steam ahead? We need to head full steam ahead to God's purposes, God's plans, and what he has for us. And maybe today we can ask ourselves, maybe we've settled in our walk for God in our spiritual life. Maybe we've settled in our finances. Well, I was going to trust God for more, but this is just my lot in life. Maybe we've settled in our marriages and our family. And when I say settled, I mean we've stopped putting in the effort. Sometimes we can use work as an escape because it's easier to deal with stuff at work than the real issues that are happening at home in our marriages and in our families and with our kids, with our teenagers. And I may not have kids, but being a youth pastor, I get exposed to a lot of what teenagers may be facing. And a lot of times it's overwhelming for people to understand, but we can't settle there. We need to step into God's plan and God's purposes. Don't settle for our country. I don't mean don't stay here. I mean, don't just sit here and complain. Don't just say, well, this is just the way South Africa is. This is just the way corruption works. What we need to do is we need to say, I'm not gonna complain. I'm gonna begin to make a change. I'm gonna begin to make a change and see the difference or be the difference that I wanna see. We are called to be kingdom builders and nation builders. And when we build God's kingdom, we can build the nation. You know, with the floods that happened a couple of weeks ago in KZN, so many people could have been, well, you know, this is just South Africa, and then people are gonna give money and the, floods, and the flood victims will never see it. Or you can choose to give it to a foundation that you know you can trust, like the Rivers Foundation that made an impact in people's lives. We don't just settle for what everybody else is doing. We are called to live life differently. We don't complain. We change the nation. We build the nation by building God's house. Is this helping? Is this helping in Kailami? I'm just kidding. They're being very responsive there. And what we need to remember when we are going through life and when we settle and we get, we get settled is we can often become comfortable. You see, when I read that Abraham was 75 when he was called, here's what I actually read. Abraham was still living with his parents at age 75. It was a sweet deal. For some people, for some people like, no thank you. 
But Abraham lived with his parents for 75 years. He probably had gotten comfortable in the land that he lived. He knew where the closest petrol station was. He knew where the closest spa or Woolworths or pick and pay was. He knew what to expect in life. And yet God calls him to be unsettled. And when we get comfortable, do you know what ends up happening is we stop growing. And when we don't grow, we end up settling. And we end up settling, we end up stagnating. Anything that's not growing is stagnating or decaying. How do I know this? Because if you look at money, if I had a five rand coin or a 10 rand note, did you know that next year that 10 rand is not worth 10 rand because of the way inflation works? So we can see the principle in money and we see that money needs to grow. How many of you know we need to grow past what we're used to and don't settle in what we're comfortable with? You know, there's a group of people that settled that were called the Pharisees. When Jesus came and he tried to unshake them, he tried to unsettle them and say, actually, you've been reading scripture, but you don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't understand it. They attacked Jesus when they were unsettled. Be careful of people who attack the church and attack Jesus when they get unsettled. There's nothing wrong with the seed of the gospel. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. But when we are forced to be unsettled, we can tend to attack people in our life and attack what God is trying to use in our life. You know, the other thing that we need to remember is that comfort is what's often stopping us as the church. Uh, a quote from uh, Matt Waltz says this, in other words, nothing is stopping us. We're stopping ourselves. We are comfortable and consumed by our comforts. Did you know that God never called Christians to be comfortable? He called us to be purpose followers. He called us to be kingdom builders. In fact, Jesus says this, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, five, overcome it all. You see, we are focused on comfort when God's like, actually, your focus should be calling. And we need to ask ourselves, well, what have we become comfortable with? Have we come, become comfortable with our convictions? Or rather, our lack thereof of convictions? Because it's more comfortable to not say anything than to say something and take a stand for what God's word says what we believe about the church, what we believe about purity, what we believe about all these areas in our lives. Have we gotten comfortable with online church? In winter, it's very comfortable in a gown. I could look away from the camera now, but if you're watching, maybe God's trying to convict you. Because we can get comfortable with coffee and a gown and, oh, I don't like this worship song, so I'm just gonna make another, another cup of coffee. Do you want some tea? Maybe even have some toast and call it communion. <laughs> we need to make sure that we unsettle ourselves and don't get comfortable. Have we got comfortable with not serving? We came back to church, I'm gonna start serving, I'm just waiting, just waiting. I'm still just waiting. We need to make sure that we unsettle ourselves and remember that our call in our life is bigger than ourselves and when we build the church, God begins to work in our lives. Have we gotten comfortable in our jobs outside of church? So often we can think it's our company's responsibility to grow us and to upskill us, but it's not. We need to find ways to grow ourselves, to grow our leadership, to upskill ourselves so that we can become, so that our companies might become dependent on us, but we can't wait and depend on our company to become dependent on us. We need to grow ourselves. We need to stretch ourselves and push ourselves past what we think we can do. John Maxwell, the leadership guru, puts it this way, we cannot become what we need by remaining what we are. 
And so many of us are happy to remain. That's why Christianity is a call to spiritual maturity and to mature. We need to make sure that we are progressing. We need to make sure that we are trusting God. And we need to make sure that we can see the growth in our life. Don't become comfortable because when we're comfortable, we don't need God as much. Or rather, we delude ourselves into thinking that we don't need God as much. And we can see this in the Bible. Just ask Peter, who got comfortable around a fire and ended up denying Jesus. Just ask Samson, who got comfortable around the wrong person in the form of Delilah. And he ends up trapped. He ends up with no vision in his life and a prisoner because he got comfortable around the wrong things. We shouldn't get comfortable and we need to make sure that we unsettle ourselves. You know, I've been a part of this church for 18 years, since a teenager, I was telling Pastor Andre, I've been in the church longer than I've been out the church. And not once have I ever seen this church settle and say, we've got enough campuses, we've got enough services, there's enough people in the seats. We find a way to keep growing, to keep expanding, to keep reaching the lost. And that's because of great leadership who refuses to settle. And if we wanna unsettle, unsettling requires full obedience. You know, so often what we can do is we can have a little bit of obedience. Genesis 12 verse 4 tells us, So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. God called Abraham to leave his father's household behind. That included Lot. And whilst he headed in the direction of God, he still held on to his lot. And so often as we head in the direction of God, we can often be holding onto our lot in life. Whether, positive, whether we see it as positive or negative, and we can be holding onto our lot, and we can say, I'm obeying God. Well, partial obedience is a nice way of saying disobedience. And what we need to be willing to say is, hey, I'm not gonna leave parts of my life unchecked. I'm gonna give it all to God. He unsettled himself, but he was only partially unsettled. We need to make sure that we are unsettling ourselves fully. Instead of dealing with it then, he brings Lot with him. It's like light bulbs. Let me explain. He could have dealt with it then, but he didn't. We've recently moved from a one-bedroom to a two-bedroom apartment, which means we have another bedroom, which means we have more lights, sometimes, load-shedding dependent. And what happens is we had, in, in our guest room, one of the lights went out. And my wife, being a good wife, said, babe, one of the lights have gone out. To which I said, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. All <laughs> well, the husbands are very quiet now. They're like. And then another one went out. And she said, babe, another light has gone out. And I said, don't worry, I'll do it tomorrow. We don't even use that room. Until the one day it was nighttime and I needed to get a towel. And I went into the room and I hit the light switch. And nothing happened. And this is exactly what happens in our lives is when we don't deal with things immediately, the areas of our lives will end up in darkness and we don't realize it until it's too late. We need to make sure that we are fixing and changing the light bulbs and dealing with our lot in life. Here and in Kailami, we need to ask ourselves, what are the light bulbs that need changing? Is it an addiction? Is it thoughts that we've left unchecked? Is it relationships? Is it dependencies? Is it tendencies? We need to say, I'm not leaving it unchecked. I'm going to fix it now so I don't have to deal with it later. I'm gonna submit it all to God because that's what spiritual maturity is. 
Spiritual maturity is not knowing the Bible inside out. That's part of it. But when you understand the Bible, spiritual maturity is submitting our thoughts, our actions, our identities, and our whole life to God. And we say, you're God and I'm not. And we need to get to a point of spiritual maturity because even Jesus did. Just before he gets to the cross, he says, Father, take this cup away from me. But even if you don't, it's not my will, it's your will be done. And we need to make sure that we unsettle ourselves and it requires spiritual maturity. Ready for the next point? Next point is this, it requires separation. You see, Abraham was willing to unsettle himself, but he wasn't quite ready to separate himself from Lot. And like I said, our call is similar to Abraham's and we, can, uh, we need to understand that as Christians, we're called to be holy and set apart. And before we focus on Abraham, look at our own lives and say, are we separate from the world? You know, Jesus sat with the sinners and tax collectors with his disciples, but you would never mistake Jesus and his disciples for sinners and tax collectors. Can we say the same for ourselves? And in our lives, we need to say, the gospel came into my life, God came into my life, he changed my life, but he didn't just change it for Sundays. He changed it on Monday, for Tuesday, for Wednesday, for Thursday, for Friday, for Saturday, and for Sunday. We need to make sure that there is the fruit of life change in our lives and we live a separate life. People shouldn't have to ask if you're Christian. Your life should tell them that you're Christian. And here's the thing, going back to Abraham. Abraham, he unsettled himself. And for me, living in a place for a long period of time, it would have been harder for me to unsettle myself than to separate from Lot. But the one thing that he can't do is separate himself from Lot. And I think it's for two reasons. The first is this. He was obviously his nephew and maybe he felt responsible for Lot. But also, Lot represented the next generation in Abraham's family. Because Abraham and Sarah had no kids, no son, the next eldest would have been Lot. And because the next eldest would have been Lot, Abraham didn't just take his nephew, he took his backup plan. And he began to walk this journey with Lot because it represented the next generation. Here's the other thing, speaking of names, did you know that Lot's name means veil or covering? So Abraham took a veil or a covering with him because where there was a lack of faith, he could just cover it up with Lot and it made it look like he was doing the right thing. Us as Christians can do that in our own lives. We can pretend that we've got it all figured out and instead of admitting a lack of faith, which isn't the sign of a bad Christian, it's not admitting a lack of faith, it is. Because when we have a lack of faith, our response should be to strengthen our faith, to find hope in God, to stir ourselves up, to be in services like this, to worship God, to let the Holy Spirit touch our lives, but instead we can hide it as a veil and we can carry it with us. We need to make sure that we are willing to separate from the things in our life. Ready for the third point? Fourth point. Don't be your own lot. Don't be your own lot. You see, in our lives, we can end up being our own lot. One of my favorite sayings is this, wherever you are, there you are. You notice that people who find that they have bad service in restaurants are always the same people who find themselves having bad service in restaurants. You know the people who, who, who say, you'll never guess what happened. Let me guess, something, something bad happened to you. I don't know why it keeps happening to, you, to me. Wherever you are, there you are. 
And as Christians, we are called to look, look at our lives and be introspective at times and say, perhaps there's something in my life that I need to fix. We're going to take a look at Scripture to, to, to show us this in the life of Lot. When Lot and Abraham leave, leave their hometown and they end up heading towards God's purposes, eventually, because blessing follows Abraham, they have to separate. Notice I said blessing follows Abraham. Lot was blessed because of Abraham. The scripture at the beginning says, people will be blessed through you. And eventually they have so much, uh, they have so much um, cattle and, and herds and, the, and their, their, their servants were fighting. Abraham says, let there be no strife between you and I. Let's separate. And he says to Lot, he says, I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna stack this in your favor. You choose where you wanna go. So Lot looks, checks his Instagram, to which place he's getting the most likes, the most hashtags, what's trending on Instagram and maybe Twitter now, we don't know. And take a look at what happens in Genesis 13. It says, and Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Did you know that Egypt's a picture of the world in the Old Testament? And it says this in the direction of Zor. That means small, that word. It says, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, whilst Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. And if we need to know if we're our own Lot in life, there's three things that we shouldn't do that Lot did. And the first is this. It's don't just look. Notice that Lot made a decision by looking. Abraham, when he made decisions, he built altars and he inquired from God. We need to ask ourselves, when it comes to making decisions in our lives, do we just look or do we inquire from God? Do we look at what God's word says? Do we let God's word determine how we live, what our political views are? Or do we go to Instagram and look at what everybody else is doing? We need to make sure that we don't just look. And don't just look at something that looks good because good and godly are two very different things. Just ask Eve. The Bible says that Eve looked at the fruit and she said, it looks good for food. And she ate it. We need to say, well, it may look good, but is it godly? And does it look godly? And what does this impact look like in my life? When it comes to, if we're single maybe, finding a partner, do we just look or do we investigate? No, no, I think they're a Christian. Why? They posted a Bible verse on the Instagram. Or which church do they go to? You know, they're just, they're, they're not linked to one church. They're like a Paul. They float from church to church. And then one post, she, she posted and it said, she clothes them in righteousness. Well, where's her clothes in the post? That's a question you should be asking. Don't just look. We need to look at the fruit of something. When you go into a business deal, do we look at balance sheets or does our morals line up with the people that we want to do business with? When we work for a company, is it about our package or is it about, well, what do they believe as a company? Can I stand behind this as a company? Does it line up with what the Bible says and who God has called me to be? So often we can do this with fame. We can look at fame and we can look at money and think that's what the answer is. But the comedian Jim Carrey 
said this. A great actor who brought us Ace Ventura, he says, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that, it, see that it's not the answer. Fame, money, it's not where we find our security, it's not where we find life from as we've learned over the past two weeks, but it's in God and his purposes and we don't just look. We build altars, we pitch the tent of our lives and we step into what God has for you and I. Here's the second thing is, don't get too close. Notice where, where Lot pitched his tent. He pitched it close to Sodom. Now, Sodom was known at the time for its sexual immorality and its depravity. It was well known, it was well documented. And Lot still chose to pitch his tent near there. I don't think Lot was doing that because he was going on a missionary trip. And you know what happens in the very next chapter is a war takes place uh, in the area, and it says that Lot was taken in Genesis 14, verse 12. But take a, look, take a note of this. It says, they also took Lot, the son of Abraham's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, and his positions and went, positions and went away. What we need to understand in life is simply this. What we get close to will eventually drag us in pull us in, and before we know it, our families are affected, our lives are affected, and we're like, how did I get you? Nobody falls into sin and temptation. We get too close to it. We step towards it, and then what can end up happening in our lives is we can fall away from God. It's like a frog in water. Did you know that if you put a frog in boiling water, it jumps out? Everyone's like, yes. But did you know that if you put a frog in cold water, turn up the heat, it doesn't know that it's getting hot because it just adjusts. And that can be true for so many believers. Is we can be close to something and the heat gets turned up and we don't realize it until we end up on a French restaurant's menu. We need to make sure that we are focusing and building on what God has for us. Your third sub-point for this is simply this, don't look back. Many of us will be familiar of the story of uh, Lot's wife. God has to, God, I mean, Abraham has to save Lot once, literally fights four, four nations to save Lot. And then God has to intervene and pull him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the two angels that are with him, it's a picture of God. It's a picture of God the Father sending God the Son as um, salvation and the Holy Spirit as help. And they go to Lot and they take him out. And as they're walking away, they say this, don't look back. And Lot doesn't. But the Bible tells us that Lot's wife turned around, looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. And you know what? That can be so true for you and I in our lives. Is we can become saved and we can become a Christian, but we can look back longingly at the life that we had before. Man, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd be so much more fun. That's not true. You can have fun as a Christian within the confines of what God says is fun because that's where freedom is found. You're not trapped and you don't need this and you don't need that. We shouldn't look back at the good old days, back when things were, were better. We need to look forward to the purpose and the plan that God has for us because even the Israelites in the book of Exodus, whilst God was supernaturally feeding them from heaven, a pillar of cloud by day, fire by night, they still said slavery was better than the supernatural provision from God. 
We need to not look back. We need to focus on what God is doing, the plan that he has for us, and the purpose that he has for us. We need to be like Abraham and not like Lot. You know, as we go to the next point, uh, the next point is this. Our lot can attack our future. This is a bit of a gross point. St. Kalami and Sanson, bear with me, but it bears importance. After Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed, Lot ends up in a cave with his two daughters. The Bible tells us that his two daughters get Lot so drunk that they each sleep with their father. Bear with me. And take a look at what it says in Genesis. It says this. It says, thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The first bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son called Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. So what happened was Abraham didn't deal with his lot back in Haran. He carried it with him. Eventually he separates, but he doesn't fully separate because he's keeping an eye on him. He saves him. Then, then Sodom and Gomorrah happen. And because he didn't deal with his lot, Lot bears, bears two sons. Now if we fast forward, Abraham, he sees the promise through Isaac. Isaac has two sons. Esau and Jacob. Jacob's name is later changed to Israel. Israel ends up having sons, so we get the 12 tribes of Israel. The nation of Israel then end up in slavery in Egypt. Some of you are like, why are you telling me this? They end up leaving slavery, heading into the promised land. When they get into the promised land, we can read it in Judges 3. Once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon enlisted the Ammonites and the Amalekites as allies, and then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. The offspring of Lot ended up overtaking the Israelites because Abraham didn't deal with his Lot back then and he ended, up, he ended up having sympathy towards it. He ended up using it as a covering and as a result, his future was attacked. And what we need to understand is when we don't deal with our Lot now, we might think that it's okay, but in the future, our future is attacked. Our children's future might be attacked because of stuff that we didn't deal with right now and it's up to us to step up, to take responsibility and to deal with our lot because when we learn to deal with our lot it prepares us for the purpose that God has for us as we come to a close many of us will be familiar with Abraham he's actually not known for his relationship with lot he's known for being the father of faith and he's known for him and his son and his son and him have this interesting relationship because it's the promised son and when the promised son Isaac is born you would imagine that there was protection. But the Bible says that God tested Abraham. And he says this, Abraham, take your son, your one and only son, the one whom you love. Take it to a mountain that I'm going to show you. And there I want you to separate from him, sacrifice him in my name. And I wonder, that is an impossible thing to firstly ask of a father. But I wonder if maybe Abraham's relationship with Lot, because he dealt with it, 
he learned if I'm disobedient to God, it doesn't end well for me. I know that if I'm obedient to God because I've seen it with my lot, if I keep holding on to this thing, it's not gonna end well for me. But if I am willing to sacrifice and let it go, then maybe God will come through. And all of us know that he is known as Jehovah Jireh. It's the first time we hear that. But God is only Jehovah Jireh when we deal with our lot and we learn to let go and give it all to God. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 